Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. Claire and Matty cycled round the world together. Claire calls herself the touring artist on Instagram and is an arts researcher and lecturer. Matty is a great photographer and he also makes cool hand-stitched caps. He very kindly gave me one of them when we met. Despite his kind of weird Antipodean accent, he does claim to hail from Yorkshire. After a couple of afternoon beers, the three of us sat on a bench beneath Yorkminster one of the world's most magnificent cathedrals. The only thing bigger and more impressive was the jet-black thundercloud heading our way. I was interested to explore the thoughts of two very different people reflecting on the same adventure, the ride they did together, one that they came to from different starting points and very different motivations. <laughs> right, Hi. Uh, Claire and Matty sitting outside beautiful Yorkminster, yeah. Hoping to see a peregrine falcon. Oh, no. So there may be some interruptions. Yeah. Um, yeah, if the, if one comes, we can whoop. So <laughs> We can whoop. Uh, you two cycle around the world together, but I'm suspecting from our time together that you did it from fairly different points and aims. So my first question is, can you tell me about the conflict or not conflict between career and adventure? Oh, Good question. As, yeah. Um, so for I'll me, so for me, um, basically, I had been in education for seven years, and as, I'd as been, a teacher, um, not as in as a, an artist. And then I did my masters, and then I did my PGCE, and I worked as an artist, and sort of, and I did a fellowship as well. So I was very much along the lines of getting into higher education and teaching and lecturing. And then I actually got the opportunity to lecture when I was 26. And um, I taught for five years doing that. And then suddenly I got to 30 and I had a bit of an epiphany by saying to myself, I need to change my life now. I've, I've achieved my goal of lecturing earlier than what I thought I would. And I thought I'm a bit bored with my life. And then I met Matt. Yeah, along, along I came. And Matt gave me a sprinkle of adventure. I'd been travelling a lot, but I hadn't been on a long-term journey. And I really, really More wanted to do that. Days. I wanted to go with no end date. And that was my main goal, really. To set off and not know when I was going to return. Um, and you gave me the inspiration to do that. 
Okay, before Matt gives me his take on his uh, his uh, glittering career plans uh, and adventure, <laughs> um, you work really hard to achieve your aim of becoming a lecturer. Yeah. And you get that, and surely that's great, because you're doing cool stuff, you're being paid adequately, it's all great. Yeah. So why, why didn't you just do that for the next 30 years? It sounds good. Um, because when you're a creative and you're teaching you feel like you have 30 sponges in the room and they're sucking all of the creative energy from you, which is obviously what they're meant to do as students. But as a lecturer and as an artist, I wasn't actually making work and I felt like I was actually losing creativity, not gaining it. Um, even though I was teaching them every day all this cool stuff about artists and designers and you know creative thinking and conceptual thinking, I wasn't actually... Um, inspired myself I was inspiring them so I wanted to take a creative jump myself and leave that and just be inspired again and trip around the world and see new things and experience new cultures and meet new people and practice my Spanish which is rubbish I can only say can I have a beer please um and that's too dosturous up off of it um so I went hola I can say hola dosturous up off of it that's all we needed in Spain, wasn't it, to get us through? Um, I like the so, accent as well. Good Yorkshire accent. Good Yorkshire accent. <laughs> hola. 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 Um, so, it, for me, it was about actually finding creativity again. So, Matt, what, what was your approach to choosing then to go on an adventure? So, so you come at it from a different angle. So, I'd, like, come home. Like, before we went away, I'd been back in New York probably nearly two years but I'd actually like been on a trip to Australia with my friends and some other things like being on BMX trips that's like my background is like growing up riding BMX and I'd kind of always been wanting to go away but like they were getting more and more I wouldn't say more and more an adventure but more and more like kind of wilderness trips as I was getting further along and I knew I'd, I'd flown from Australia to Greece and cycled back from there to the UK with my friend and that was before I met Claire. And then we met when I was back. And I knew I still wanted to do something along those lines. And then I met Claire and then we kind of... I think probably a lot of people say it's probably... It's quite easy to say it's maybe my idea, but it wasn't. It was actually Claire's idea. And it's quite nice to have that. And then, yeah, we just... I suppose we just kind of went on a bit of a whim. Like a planned whim, but like you were kind of a bit fed up of what you were doing and... I was just working odd jobs to make it work and just say, like... We weren't together very long before we decided to book <coughs> up the flights and, and do it, were we? I think yeah. we both knew that's that's what we wanted to do together, really. Yeah, it seemed like a quite a logical step. So, Matt, were you kind of um, treading water a bit in terms of at the UK? I felt like I was for a while. Like, I'd kind of come back and I'd worked... Come in back from where? From from Oz. Okay. I'd been working in a shoe shop before I went and I came back and I got a job in the same shoe shop... <laughs> yeah. and that's I think getting a job in the same place when you come back from when you've been away is like the single worst thing you can ever do right <laughs> so I remember like on my birthday I handed in my resignation notice I was just I was working and I was like no it's like my birthday's three days before Christmas and I was like no no way this is it I'm done so I said like right that's it I'm off with the idea of like it would force me to get another job that I might enjoy more and then be more motivated to save. I went to go and see my friends and I ended up in a bit of like a dark spell of like, couldn't find another job and didn't really want to, I don't know, like just had no motiv motivation for anything. And that's, 
it's going to sound this is going to sound really like kitschy isn't it but that's when I met Claire and like it kind of I don't know like everything kind of started to go right from there and it kind of worked out properly I suppose like I think I'd always just worked odd jobs and it was like odd jobs can get only get you so far I think like just doing bits here and there and I don't know things kind of seemed to have a bit more of a motive to go away and like I had a partner to go away with and it was like we could face it together a bit more rather than just facing it on your own I think it's a lot easier when you're both in the same mindset so okay. so you both you come up with this idea of going to cycle around the world different parts of the world and so what I'm interested in here is that quite a lot of people decide to cycle around the world and quite a lot of people do cycle around the world um, but it's I'm interested when two people choose on the same mission but from different places so uh, next question I have is for you what were the before you began what were the barriers in your head that were making you think this is hard because or I can't do this because I was quite gung-ho. You were up for it, were you? Yeah, I think I'd just done a, quite a lot of road touring and gravel touring, and I was a bit like, let's just go for it. Like, and you can do anything. Like, it's a bit like just... If you give yourself enough time, you can do most things as long as you're not an idiot. Like, as long as you don't take stupid risks. So, in not, my mind... Are you not an idiot? In my mind, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably... I've known you for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> It's debatable. I, think, it's debatable. I would say I'm not an idiot, but I've done idiotic things. I think oh, that's, that's, that's a very important difference. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think. And it's important to do idiotic things. I very think. much so. Um, but yeah, I think um, I was quite like, I think because I've ridden bikes all my life, I was like it's, like, it's not that bad, is it? It can't be that hard for whatever. Like, it's like, if you have to push a bike up a hill, you have to push a bike. And like, for me, it was quite like, just as long as you've got enough food, you've got your tent you've got everything like what's really the worst that can happen and so I was a bit more like let's just go fully crazy and just go wherever the hell and like we'll figure it out but I think at the same time like when you're in a couple it's kind of slightly different in terms of you want to do things together that you're both going to enjoy and you're not going to be like one of us enjoys it but the other doesn't oh there's a lion it's an amazing coloured cat wow it's like a it's leopard it's like a leopard it's a leopard you want to watch out, mate. A falcon's going to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> Look at its eyes. Wow. It's a hybrid. It's pretty groomed, isn't it? It's quite... making good radio. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, everybody can see this cat. Yeah. <laughs> so, Claire, before you did it, what in your head, what were you worried about? What were you doubting? Um, so I was pretty gung-ho as well. Even though I'd only been on a week's bikepacking trip before to Scotland, um, I still felt like... Let's just do it. I'm a bit of one of those people that are really spontaneous in terms of if I have an idea, I'll do it, um, whether it's very silly or not. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm set on an idea, I'll, I'll see it through. So Matt definitely persuaded me. The only thing I was really worried about was the countries that we were going to were all very mountainous. And I very was hilly. questioning some of the elevation profiles that I was seeing. Um, but apart from that... I think it was just my own ability because I wasn't really a cyclist to be able to do the elevation. Were you not worried about you'd work so hard to get a really good job and a good position 
Probably got some pension plans or something from that. Yeah. Were you worried about that? Or was um, your mum saying, oh, what are you doing? My mum and dad were actually really supportive. They thought it was a bit loose. By And my mum definitely said, you've read too much Leveson Wood. You need to sort your life out. You need to but read some good books. You need to read some better books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I kindly provided. <laughs> which Matt provided, but we won't mention who those books were by. Um but um, I think, yeah, they were both quite supportive. And I think they thought that I was in like a time of my life being 30 where I just needed a new challenge, really. I needed to do something fun and get out of the educational system and just live my life a bit. We didn't really think about coming back either. Like, I think that's a different challenge you face when you come back. So you don't, you just get caught up in the adventure and it was all like going away and going away. Like, So it's a slightly different thing, obviously, when you come back, but... Do you, do you wish you'd given some thought to the coming back part of it? I, maybe. I mean, coming back's been the hardest point for me because I've literally had to start from scratch with my career again. And I find that I find that's been quite frustrating in a sense. But I've kind of tried to embrace it and think positively about it. But I, I do think it's quite a hard thing to do is to come back and, and start afresh. I found that quite quite hard and I think it, I'm in a similar place now than what Matt was when I first met him mm. so he's kind of said well that's the position I was in when I first met you and I kind of understand what he was going through what, what is that just kind of feeling like you're having to start again and yes your friends and family are around which is great but you're if you're very career driven and you want to do really well in a job and set yourself up and stuff like that I think it's quite frustrating because you realize how competitive it is and you just can't find the job. You can't find like the job or you don't really know what you're going to do and financially you're kind of having to start again. And So do you regret going? Definitely not. Definitely not, no. Do you regret not having perhaps got yourself a job in advance and gone off for six months with a job to come back to? Maybe, but I technically was on sabbatical from work. So I did return to work for a few few weeks teaching and things. But then, you'd, like Matt said before, when you go back to the same job as what you did when you left, you kind of feel like it gives you kind of like a, I don't know what, oh, I'm back where I, where I began. And yeah. You it's a kick in the you, teeth. It's There's a kick, no way around it. <laughs> you realise you definitely need a change and that's why you're left to start with. So, yeah. Have you noticed... Um, any differences in the way people respond when they're talking to you about the trip either before during or after because you're both doing exactly the same trip but uh you're a woman you're a man so have you, did you notice any differences in the way people approach what you were doing or have done i suppose it's quite hard to say because we've almost got like different groups of friends yeah so if we'd be talking about it quite in depth with friends either before or after we're either maybe not together or it's addressed to both of us. So I would say, like, I think most most of our friends are pretty, like... They're adventurous. Think, our friends are adventurous. I don't think maybe they would not go in the off classic on a bike. Way, they wouldn't like, go off and do it on a bike, but they're adventurous. They're, they're well-travelled. Yeah. Um, I think maybe quite a few of your friends were, like, thought I'd kidnapped you or something, <laughs> taken you away. <laughs> like. <laughs> Did anyone suggest you shouldn't do that, the trip? No. Everyone was quite... quite really supportive really but I think my friends were quite selfish in the sense that they were like oh but we're not going to see you for a year yeah, and uh, really upset and crying and you know and I felt bad but I kind of thought well time's going to go quickly you know you'll live your life here I'll be back before you know it and I'm back and it's yeah back. I think if they're your friends like they see you want to do something so much if they're kind of 
thinking, saying other things than obviously you clearly want to do it and they're trying to bring you back and turn your mind about it. I think your friends, even if they don't agree with something, have to agree with you. And yeah. in which and case, if they're not, yeah, like, and if not, then, yeah, I'm not going to say they're not your friends, but like they've got different interests. So. Yeah. So um, you're both very creative, artistic types. Um, was was the um, was that an important part of you choosing to do the trip as a way to think? Right, I'm going to go do this in order to do some arty stuff. I think for me, because I like probably in the last five or six years, I've got heavily into photography. There's for the type of photography I like to do. There's nothing better than being on the trip. Like I, actually, I saw a video with a prominent YouTuber photographer the other day. He did like a big long distance hike and. You're saying about how hard it was to take photos, and I found that quite alien because when I'm like on a big long distance bike ride, it's the best time to take photos, I think. Like, and it's really easy to make the time for it. And I think if you really enjoy it, it's great. And seeing different things is always one of the best things you can do to broaden your horizons and give you ideas to do things. And you kind of you're out of the bubble you are back home, but you're in your own bubble when you're away, and you have a lot of time to think about things and to if you've got an idea you can think on it quite a lot like when you're on the bike saddle all day you can kind of mull things over and really come back with quite a good um idea of what you want to do if if you're thinking that way i would say so did you have did you have your camera sort of in your pocket at the ready or was it no i like had a homemade bar bag made out of like um the same stuff they make estate agent signs out of so it was just on my handlebar and i could just grab it at no expense and it was waterproof and I think that's a massive thing is just have your camera like for anything like if you're walking or if you're hiking if you're on a bus or anything like just have your camera close to hand I think is like I don't think it doesn't matter what camera you've got as long as you can turn it on quickly yeah, the times when it's in your panty you can't be bothered to get it out then. exactly yeah. and what's great about how Matt takes photographs on the bike that differs from mine and that I regret is if we uh, cycle up a big hill for instance I'm sort of behind sort of struggling up this hill get to the top and matt will be somewhere in the bush up high taking a photo of me and gets the best photos ever because he gets off his bike and he makes the effort to go from a different viewpoint whereas i'm always getting to the top of the hill literally pulling the camera out and taking a photo from the bike and um it's so lazy is that just because he was faster than you oh yeah is always that but if you if you'd been solo would you've done the same thing probably not okay <laughs> I think you've just taught me to be a little bit more like we're only here once get off your bike forage about go and find a good viewpoint yeah. take the photo that really matters rather than just capturing it from your bike and not leaving your bike to take the picture because I'm very lazy like that it is sometimes a bit of an effort to it's put a bit down of an effort yeah and I think like sometimes you're riding groups and that can be like especially if you don't know them like at first you're like I really want to get that photo but oh, I'm going to make everyone wait and especially at first, you're like, no, I don't want to make them wait. And then after about a week, you're like, nah, they can wait. Like, and I yeah. think it's quite like... And having watched you do it, everybody else started getting off the bikes and going off. And it was quite good because you were setting an, an example as a photographer well, that's what to you're like, there for, get like. the shot. But it needs to, I think that does need to be a decision or at least an agreement of what kind of trip are we on. Are we on a trip yeah. where we're going to cycle from here to there? Or are we on a trip where we're going to about and take photos and what the priority of the trip is and i, yeah, I find sure. that from my trips that the times when i've done all those different things and there's time different is fine all of them are fine the problem comes when 
one of you wants one thing, one wants the other. Yeah. Like, oh, we both take it slow, aren't we? And I think we document kind of, and we set ourselves like a thirty kilometer like average for a day. A day? Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> I know it's really far, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's way too far. We shouldn't do that. Like, but I think, but like, if you actually think about it, like, if you're riding off road as well, but like, by the time you stop, like, even. They take photos out of the equation. By the time you've stopped and talked to people, had some food and had a chat and all these sort of things, like 30k a day is pretty good. Like, and if you do more than that, <laughs> you obviously have your days off. And there was one of... point in Spain that I remember very clearly that we it, we rode like an 80k day and we pulled up at this campsite and. Uh, this German couple had ridden pastors um, and Driven, drove pastors yeah. and, and saw us and thought, oh. and then we suddenly pulled up the campsite and they were there camping and they were like, oh, here's some beers. You've travelled so far. Really well done. We passed you sort of eight hours ago. And we were like, yeah, it's only 80k and usually we do about 25. <laughs> this is the one-off of the whole trip. But we're like, thanks for the beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like so much of cycling is about numbers that people forget about just being a kid on a bike and just messing around and like we're not Strava people are we I'm I'm enjoying on this trip having no bike computer so not knowing the speed or distance Mm -hmm. it's uh it's very refreshing yeah it's very different um and it definitely changes my um mindset to it as well it's Mm. interesting um do you have any regrets about the trip um any regrets about the trip I don't have any regrets about the trip actually I think we're still we're back home. No, I'm we're joking. back home. <laughs> I think I think um, it was good going into the Annapurna circuit, basically as an idiot and not knowing a lot, because otherwise I don't I would have talked myself out of it. Um, that would have been the only regret if I'd really thought about it at doing it, because it was it was really really tough, wasn't it? So it's and a regret, but it's so, not a regret. Yeah, it's like a part regret. Well, I don't really know have, what I mean by that. But I was going to say, would you have rather known more and not done it or would you rather known even less and still done it? I think if I'd known more, I wouldn't have done it and that would have been a regret, not doing it. But then I'm glad I didn't know enough that I just kind of went about it like a typical idiot and then somehow did it. And then now I'm thinking, wow, I've done that. That's great. So that, That's actually an endorsement for leaping in, isn't it? Leaping in. But, sure, but people who do that in the Himalayas they do sort of die of altitude sickness. So <laughs> I think it's quite an idiotic thing to do, really. Yeah, I wouldn't advocate I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate recommend it. do that. But, yeah, jumping in and kind of trusting the group that you're with and the support that you're with, that they can get you through it. And I mean, people we were lucky. did. People did get me through it, and it was, it was amazing. We were lucky because we rode with people that had spent a month in, like, Ladakh at, like... High altitude. In India at high altitude for the month before. So we kind of had a couple of people that knew more than us and it was quite nice that they took us under their wing I suppose yeah they were really supportive mm. and they kind of made us a bit more knowledgeable about it and they were it. quite like in a way they're like like oh well you don't have these symptoms so you're good like whereas maybe if we were on our own we would have been like oh this is a bit sketchy about, let's turn around we would have talked ourselves out of it I think okay thank you um, so I've been going around Yorkshire asking people similar questions but from a different perspective so I've got a deck of cards with questions Okay. <laughs> Mystery random selection. So Go on, then, you first. Take a card, any card. This is a great idea. We haven't seen the questions yet. <laughs> Do I need to read it out? Yes, yes. please. Um, it would be rubbish otherwise. <laughs> I was answering a question that no one can hear. 
If you could only work two hours per week on your business, what would you do? Oh. Is this on like my personal business at the moment or I'm, like on business as if in, on me? Well, or? I think what would be interesting is because at the moment you're doing some, some delivery type jobs and things, yeah. but you've also, you were showing me this photography book that you've been putting together, which is beautiful, really beautiful. My suspicion though, from having known you just a couple of hours, is you're going to struggle to go and sell yourself to the world and turn that into a business and a brand. I suppose, yes, I should so, spend two hours a week on... It's funny because I do the book and I do hats and I do the delivery pizza boy cycling and all of those things are self-employed. And I've kept all my receipts since we've been back, which we got back in May, was it May? Mm-hmm. But I haven't organised my receipts, so I should probably say, like, as... <laughs> Boring as it sounds, I should spend two hours a week on sorting out my finances and stuff because I'm the They're worst all just shoved for it. In a like, jar. I've got like, uh, you know, those sealable jam jars. I've got one of them that's not sealable anymore, full of receipts and like full of orders and full of things. And like, I've actually got no idea how much money I've made if, if I've made money at all. But one of, the, one of the things that I wish I'd done years earlier in my um, self employed journey was employing an accountant. I did lots of years of jam jars and spreadsheets and disasters and agony. And now I pay someone a couple hundred pounds and I wish I'd done that many years before. So maybe I need to spend two hours a week paying someone a couple of quid. What you need to do is do something fun that earns you 200 quid so then you can go pay an accountant. Okay, so I'm going to go and deliver as many pizzas as I can in two hours. And then pay an accountant to sort that jar out. Okay, cool. Right, next one. We'll We'll go in the depths here. What story would you put on the front page of the newspaper? I think in the York Press, they would really appreciate right now that we've seen a cat leopard in the <laughs> Minster Gardens because that's, that's a rare sighting and it's definitely York Press front news, isn't it? Front page news. So I think okay. that's the story leopard that I would share scene. right now. Look at the light now on that. Oh, it's looking a bit It's windy. really good light, I mean, isn't it? It is, but we might also get rained on. Yeah. Okay, we'll do a few more before the rain, then we'll run away. Okay. I'm going to go for the top card. Go on, then. That might be the same one. Okay. No, no. Oh, yeah. How could you be happier? Oh, that's quite a deep question, isn't it? Like, I'm pretty happy, I would say, in general. Like, I think... Yeah. I'm quite optimistic about the future, and... As long as I'm doing what I want to do, I'm happy, right? If Claire's happy, I'm happy. And if we're both happy together, we're pretty happy. So Um, I think, I suppose, happiness and content is slightly different. I suppose pure happiness is like when you have that exhilaration and like... But I don't... It's going to sound horrible, but I don't want that to happen every day. Because if it happens every day, I think we kind of spoke about this earlier, you're not happy. Like, if you're always happy, you're not happy because it's not... Happier yeah. than your level. Right? Happy needs to be above the baseline. Yeah, like, and yeah, I think that needs true. to be safe for special occasions. So I'm as happy as I can be because I spend a lot of time doing things that make me happy. But I wouldn't say every day I'm constantly happy. I'm content every day. So I think that's that's probably, a pretty good place to be. That's a good place to be. I the, think. Interestingly, on this trip, the um, people I've spoken to who. <laughs> it's a very loud small child. <laughs> the people I've met on this trip who are um, delivering pizzas seem to be using that as a good way to just live a life that they're choosing of 
adventure. Yeah, I would agree because... And I've met a couple of people who are earning, I reckon, 10 times more than you who wish they were riding their bike more. Yeah. Well, it's like I've worked in retail. I've done all sorts of jobs. And you make quite good money delivering pizza on a bike. Like, it's not like you're not like on surgeon's money, but you can make about 10 quid an hour, which in today's day and age, like for a job that you don't have to have any skills for, it's pretty good if you're fit enough and it's... And you're riding and doing what you like. Yeah, and you're riding a bike, you're staying fit and healthy, you're being outside. As I say, that starts to rain. But there's a even better light now. <laughs> Beautiful light. We'll do a couple more questions before we get soaked okay. and then we'll make most of this light. Take a picture. What is enough? Oh, good question. Um, what is enough? <laughs> I don't know what enough is, really. Enough, and you've I had think, enough? Or like, I think... Um, what makes you happy enough? Yeah, I think enough is just learning to be content with what you have, really. And I think um, we always strive to... I mean, social media is a pain in the arse for it, really, isn't it? Because we're always looking at other people wanting to live other people's lives when really they're just putting their best life out there for you to see. Um, so I think, and vice versa. And vice versa. So I think um, being wise enough to know that you're looking at a platform that's kind of altered and it's not 100% everyday reality. Um, I think just being yourself and... Being happy, being with family and friends is enough. I, I can answer that question for you in like one one sentence as to what is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is when you get a whip it. Oh, I really want, yeah, that's when I'm... A whip it? Um, yeah. That's the most Yorkshire answer I've had so far this month. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, God, let's try and do one more each before we get absolutely soaked. Oh, oh my God. This might be reckless. Right. Who was the most adventurous growing up you knew when you were a child? Um, I'm still a child, so how does that... Can I answer that in current yeah, terms? Tell you what, tell us about your granddad. Your granddad, come Okay, on. yeah, but he wasn't adventurous. I didn't know him to be adventurous when I grew up, but he is... He was an adventurous man that, I, in hindsight, I found out about. Um, he cycled around Norway in 1950s. He was in World War II on, as a radio man on a merchant navy ship, which is a pretty sketchy job across the Atlantic. He was an air navigator in air races for Algeria, took his car through the mountains in Europe and like up Stelvio Pass. I'd say he's probably the most, single most adventurous person I know. Unfortunately, he never told me about it. He's not around anymore, but yeah, he's got to be like the man that has everything all sorted, you know, like he had his own business and did it really well and still saw the world, but I think maybe he slightly regretted having his own business after that. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's got to be it, but didn't really know. Thank you very much. I think seems we're about to get soaked and we're hiding under an umbrella. It's probably a good note to end on. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is with sport-specific routing. Kamut doesn't just plan any route. Oh no, 
Kamut plans your route. Select your sport, choose your start and end points, and Kamut plots a route using the best option for you. Whether that's smooth asphalt for your road bike, quiet gravel tracks for some chilled mountain bike riding or bike touring, or a road-free trail for your walk or ramble. After that, you can personalise your route even more by dragging the pins on your desktop screen or app to include your chosen destinations along the way of your adventure. Your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash G and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.